never heard of the Millennium Falcon? It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. She's fast enough for you, old man. And this podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Resistance broadcast. That was such John... a dramatic pause you had. I was like... You got it with Harrison Ford. Especially uh, this in the is... 70s, Harrison Ford was so chill. Like, <laughs> if, you ever watch interviews with him promoting Star Wars? He's like, yeah, yeah. whatever. He, he is... No, he's like... He leans forward. And he's he, he like... And it was always like a female reporter. And he would just captivate them. He captivated me watching it. And he was just very just calm, smooth, his, his, his clean voice. It wasn't the gravelly Harrison Ford we hear today. <laughs> it was this like deep, clean voice. And he would just pierce his eyes through you. Like that guy, man, he was a suave dude back in the day. But He's anyway. suave now. Tell you that much. He's still pretty suave for an 80-year-old guy still trying to play Indiana Jones. Just don't maybe chill it with the flying to the plane stuff. But we're here to talk about something else he flew in fake space, the Millennium Falcon. So we're going to have a discussion about why do we love the Millennium Falcon? That's simple as that. We're going to get into that later. It's going to be a fun one. You know, last week we got a little deep with the cannon stuff. We like to show our versatility around here. And doing that with me as always is James and Lacey. Lacey, uh, we... You know, we like to have a good time in this podcast. We like to get into serious discussions and stuff like that. What? But, but <laughs> I have to ask. I have to ask you this: Are you, Millennium Falcon aside, are you the type of Star Wars fan who likes the ships and that sort of thing, and the weapons and, and that stuff? Or are you not as much into the that aspect of Star Wars? So I'm definitely not into like the spec like specifications and specifics of weapons and ships and stuff. I do find that in the past few years I have been collecting a lot more ships. The ad oh, cool. behind me, uh, I got a Power of the Force Millennium Falcon at a flea market. Like I've definitely been collecting the ships because when I was little I wasn't really into them, but now I'm like, oh, these are so cool and they're just like such conversation pieces in a collection. Um, but I I wouldn't say I'm like. One of those people that knows all the different like sure. pieces of ships, but I can appreciate them, yeah. especially the Millennium Falcon. Like it's its own character in Star Wars. <laughs> you say pieces yeah. of ships. Oh yeah. <laughs> Piece of ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of pieces of ship, James. <laughs> uh, I know I know you 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 like some ships. You're like a fan of the ghost and uh and yeah. that sort of thing, right? It's weird because, like, when it comes to weapons, for instance, like, it's kind of like cats and dogs. Like, I could tell you a different, a thousand different breeds of dogs, but I could be like, oh, those are all cats. <laughs> you know, right? I don't know any. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, like lightsabers, I-, I find very interesting. And I'm looking at all the different, you know, types and who they belong to. And I feel like they have some sort of like history with them or whatever. But then when I look at like every blaster in Star Wars, I'm like, yep, blaster. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I know like it's I can look and see like I, I can recognize a couple obviously but then I look at them and I'm like that's a handgun or like that's Dude, like yeah. a rifle of some sort like and they just like kind of fall into all the same category and when I get you know uh, real deep into the sweaty stuff like I'm like oh man these guys really like know these blasters and they can connect them to this line of clones and stuff like that yeah out. I know I knew it was coming that's what she um, said. Ships are ships oh. are interesting too. Um, <laughs> some of them. <laughs> what? John. <laughs> John's really trying to audition for Han Solo this week. No, He's like, uh, John. John. Uh, Holy reading for the character of Han Solo. <laughs> No, I'm James. up against Anthony and Gruber. I said he's been waiting to pull that out, and he pulls out the gun. And I said, "Well, that's what she said." And there was a pause, and you kept talking, and then John went, "Oh, oh." <laughs> <laughs> no, but James, to your point, like people are like, "Oh, that's you know the DL44, blah blah blah." But let's not forget, this is a you know it's a prop that Harrison Ford pointed at some guys and yelled, "Bang, bang." Bang! Yeah. It's like you know he didn't know what it was called. It's, yeah, so I think some people get crazy with the all the you know Pablo with, Hidalgo um, stuff with ships. It's interesting too, and we'll we'll go down the line. But yeah, it just 
they're they're interesting because they try to be iconic in the sense of like you can tell the shape by the yeah. you can tell the yeah. ship by the, the shape silhouette. of the silhouette and all that stuff yeah mm-hmm. it's like they they're doing some design work that i don't really think a lot of the uh weapons get that's what makes ships kind of interesting um from a uh engineering or design standpoint standpoint so that makes them interesting in that regard yeah um so yeah we're gonna get into with all those ships that have come out in star wars through all the years up until recently we still always go back to that damn falcon and we're going to talk about why is that uh so that should be a fun one later but first we have something else to get into and i'm going to hand it off to james to get that cracking i fear nothing for all this as the force wills it all right, John, well, this week we're doing Will of the Force. So we got a couple questions uh, from patrons this week because we're doing an all-patron version of Will of the Force, which actually reminds me, you know, if you are if you enjoy this podcast and the other content that we put out, you might want to consider becoming a patron of TRB by going to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Uh, there you can support the pod for just $2. Think about that for a second. $2, you get an entire month. Uh, as a thank you for the support, all tiers receive exclusive weekly bonus episodes and perks and awesome additional benefits as you move up the tier. So your support allows us to uh, continue what we're doing, expand beyond what we're currently uh, doing week to week. Uh, if you are able to support us, that means a lot. Thank you so much from the three of us. We really appreciate it. Um, two bucks, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever you guys want to do. Um, like I said, you get b- bigger perks as you move up. So whatever feels right thank you um let's get to it though will the force this week uh we're doing our first one from commander mark at dekine awakens right kind of vacans kind of vacans uh mark wanted to know will new lore about jedi and sith and lightsabers introduced in visions be integrated into future live action projects so lacy i'm starting with you on this one what do you think do you think Visions is going to have any sort of pull on the future of Star Wars canon-wise? Mark, what a great question. Um, it's super interesting because obviously we know that Visions is not canon. However, the creators have said numerous times that it leaves it open that things could be pulled from it and then introduced into canon. Like they've kind of left it open that, hey, yes, this whole story isn't canon, but this one little aspect might be. Um so I'm going to say yes. I think that's a really, really cool idea. I think they did some really interesting stuff in Visions, and I would love to see that translate into live action, into books, comics, whatever, um, just so that we can point back to Vision saying, okay, the whole thing isn't canon, but this part is. Mm-hmm. John, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Any chance that any of this stuff is going to get made into canon? Truth? Um, yeah, I, I'm in Lacey's boat there. I think smaller elements um nothing story based um i mean it'd be pretty cool to see um someone get lit up with the uh the apple slicer the umbrella the umbrella yeah (laughs) yeah so uh i think that'd be fun so yeah i can imagine something getting sprinkled in there um it it just seems like it there'd be better chance of something than not so i'll say yeah do you guys know that character's name kura from Ronan, which came I just out know this it's week. Lucy Liu. Yeah, <laughs> she um, did such a good job. Do I do I think that uh, they're going to make some of these things canon? It's funny because when I was reading this question, I was like, "Oh, I've got a really good answer," and then you both get, you guys both said the same thing. So apparently, it's not that clever of an answer. No, but, it know, is was a say- good answer if we all say it. That's a great well, answer. I, I was just thinking, I, th- I I had a feeling that you guys would go, no, this is, they've clearly made this non-canon. It, you know, it was supposed to be its own thing or whatever. And what I was going to say is anything that's non-canon falls into that category of legends. And they all, they sure. all kind of say they have the ability to pull from legends if there are elements of certain stories that they like that they want to make um, mm-hmm. canon at some point. Uh, and any piece of art or any piece of lore that is in the Star Wars umbrella is something that could inspire an idea. They go, oh man, that's really cool. I like that. Is there a way that I could integrate that? But in this other story that does clearly doesn't have anything to do with it. But yes, right. that one aspect is pretty cool. I like that. Um, I would, the only little caveat asterisk I would put on this is don't expect something that 
contradicts current canon. Like for instance, um, a lightsaber changing color drastically between person to person. I'd be surprised oh. if they brought something like that in, considering it goes, uh, it would then go against what we've already experienced and how kyber crystals work and stuff. Sickening, um, right? So I, I, as long as as long as it doesn't conflict, then I say, yeah, you know, the free, go ahead, pull it. You know, we'll make sure, it a canon sure. story. Yeah, I'm um, just upset next... that uh, they didn't have Mara Jade and Visions. Yeah. Oh, gee. <laughs> y- you know, I mean, that would have been the place to put it. That's the place. That would have been yeah. the place. They would have said, hey, you know, Star Wars is not just what is official or whatever. Let's yeah. go back and revisit some of these other stories that never happened and just kind of play within those worlds, you know? Yeah. S- some guy some guy with a with a gray beard and a plaid shirt kills her. Just... <laughs> I get it. George. George Lucas didn't like Mara Jade. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, we got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, next one is, we... is coming from Commander Michael Schilling. And Michael asked us the question, will Lucasfilm lean more on their Disney Plus content than feature films to perform uh, most of their storytelling and then let the movies be their big event arcs? Um, I think I know what John is going to say with this, so I'm going to let him go first. What do you think? This is just a... I mean... This, a t- this was a tough question because it's just, I feel like it can be interpreted in a lot of ways. Because the arc is, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to go to Lacey on this one while John thinks it through. Is- I don't, yeah, if Lacey has a direct answer, I'm still like not sure. I was actually going to say that like, thank you patrons. These are great questions that like, yeah. you know, things that I don't even consider. That you guys come up with, which is really cool. Really? Um, yeah. Like no, I, the war thing? Well, okay, we'll get to it here in a second. Okay, so Lucasfilm lean more on Disney Plus content. No, I think ultimately they're still going to want to do more movie stuff. Um, I, It's weird because Star Wars is treated so much differently than Marvel, which Marvel is still their flagship, mm-hmm. I would say. I, I, In like Disney movies too. They've stressed that even though they're making this stuff, the movies are still the movies. We still want you to go out. We still want to make a ton of money. Like, movies are movies. The only brand that's leaning more into the Disney Plus stuff is Lucasfilm. (laughs) So it's interesting that this question is like, will Lucasfilm lean more on Disney Plus content? Because technically the answer currently right now is yes, because that's the only thing that they're doing is these, you know, 11 series in production. They have a couple movies coming and Ryan Johnson's hypothetical, like out there series that we haven't heard anything about. So I don't know if they'd lean more than they're already leaning. I think they're already like in that camp of, Hey, we're going into Disney plus. Uh, I would love to say, yes, star Wars is always going to be a big movie thing, but Right now, currently, they're not showing us that's the case. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give John a little bit more time. When I said really, I didn't mean really patrons give good questions. No, I I meant really as in like, I'm surprised that you guys didn't lean exactly as you said. Yes, 100%. That is exactly what's going on, you know? Um, it's kind of an unreal thing and it's good that the question gets, it's kind of being addressed here. But to me, I've, I've been kind of saying this for a while that I think, they've made it very clear that they're leaning into Disney plus a hundred percent. They're like, Oh, we're going to make television shows multiple. I think COVID changed new animated. Yeah. yeah, New animated shows constantly coming out. It used to be, you know, you had the clone wars and that was a big deal, but it's like, sure. Now they've already done rebels. They've already done uh, resistance. They've already done the bad batch. There's going to continue to just be more. And, uh, and I think that what they're doing with that is they're, they're, playing well this is star wars television and we're really excited and it's live action and it's real and it's great and it's all that stuff but it's not the movies and i think they're gonna try to go back to that we did um you know episode seven rogue one episode eight and then people were getting tired and then solo and then it was they were really tired and then we're like all right we gotta wrap this up but then we're gonna take a big break well we refigure out that rollout of movies Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think they're doing that now because what they want the movies to be are big event arcs. They want the the big story of Star Wars to be these movies, but they want all these real stories that you can connect with the st- characters over long form. That's their plan for the future. And they're going to continue to do that more and more and more. Marvel's the exact opposite. They are they already have the movie game. They're branching into television now. Lucasfilm is like, right now we're going to put everything towards television 
And then when we get our heads together back up, we can start hitting those like billion dollar box offices again, you know, with Star Wars being the big thing, you know, maybe leave Solo and Rogue Ones, even though Rogue One was great, you know, like at money making, maybe leave that stuff out of film and let the let the big story be the films, uh, because we can put we can put shows like Rogue One and or and Solo make Solo to happen. Right. We can put that stuff on Disney Plus. It does. Those don't need to be films. I, I was very much like, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. John, just to, to move things along. Are, are you on the same page that I convince you? Or are you like, no, I blacked out. Um, I figured because to be fair, I think, John, out of the three of us, you're the one that's always like, oh, they'll, you know, movies are the big events. They'll that's always be the, the movies. Yeah. I started this whole thing by saying, I think I know where John's going with this, but he seems conflicted a little. No. Yeah. So it's I don't think it's like either this one's doing it or this one's doing it. Sure. Sure. I, I think it's just because of numbers, sheer numbers and volume, uh, the amount of series and the amount of hours each of these series are going to have. It's it's Disney Plus. You're getting eight hours of or eight, four five hours of Boba Fett. You're gonna get five hours of The Mandalorian three times. You're gonna get, and that's you know the amount of a whole trilogy. So from that perspective, yes. And you're getting all these different stories. You're getting the Acolyte in this era. You're getting the Ahsoka series mm-hmm. here. You're gonna get the Lando series. So the obvious answer is yes. But I that to me that doesn't mean that they're not going to go big with the movies either. I just think they're doing a little bit of a hiatus and I think the timing's perfect like Lacey said because of COVID. Um they don't, you know, their next movie's still 2 years away. Uh I think we're still in store for a lot of big time Star Wars movies in the future, but in terms of what's going on uh right now and for the foreseeable future just again, like I said, amount of series and the volume of those series. Um I'm not talking about the special effects thing. I'm talking about literally the amount. <laughs> the uh, volume is, is 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 your answer. So, uh, yes, yeah. I do have a little bit of a follow up question that I just kind of it popped in my head is, if you guys think that you know Lucasfilm was sold to Disney in 2012, correct? 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder now, sitting in 2021, uh. If Lucasfilm was up for sale now, who would buy it? Amazon. Would Amazon buy it? Would Netflix buy it? Would, you know. Amazon, I think. You really think so? Because I feel like Netflix, this would be something that Netflix would eat up. No, I still say Disney, actually. Interesting. Can anybody compete with Amazon money? I don't know. I'm not a business guy. Amazon Amazon is... is... Elon Musk comes in, he's like... (laughs) I'm going to buy this and then make it all real. I mean, he did Amazon right now. That's what I was going to say is like right now, their big play is Lord of the Rings and that's their big, big thing. And, and right now, Warner Brothers went up for sale. I don't think that they would, they would want to be like, Oh, well let's double down on a huge property before the Lord of the Rings things has even really come to fruition. I think right now they're putting all their money there. Um, and all their hopes for branching out Amazon prime to be even bigger. But um, yeah, I don't know that that is a it's a good discussion. Maybe because it's a different world we live in than 2012, where Netflix wasn't this powerhouse. Amazon mm-hmm. Prime wasn't the thing mm-hmm. that it is now. It just makes me wonder, like, what studio would want to purchase it? Like even looking at the J.J. Abrams projects where all these people are vying for J.J. Abrams attention, uh, what that would have looked like now for yeah. George. I, I tend to think that George sold it to disney he didn't put it up and disney bought it i think right. he right. i right, think right, he right. in his head was like i'll give it to disney and disney only so i don't think it was it was i mean i don't think it was really up for sale so if we were it doing the same thing i think thing. george yeah. would have said this well, is he a, had disney a relationship thing. With it always going to be disney decades. yeah yeah right, right um okay moving on to the next question because we got some good ones and a great discussion to talk about here in a few uh commander jared hurst wanted to know uh will the darth plagueis book become canon in the near future uh lacy this one's yours to start with what do you think so currently the dark plagueis book i'm gonna be honest i haven't read it is it's legends i'm assuming yep all right um you know it's interesting i feel like that's one of those characters that fans are always looking to find out more about i know john constantly talks about it i feel like he brings it up every couple months that he'd love to find out more see it 
come into fruition with Sheev, right? Yeah. Um, will he come? I don't know. I don't think he's on the plate right now. <laughs> I think he's on a list somewhere in a notebook, but I don't think he's on the the idea board in front of mm-hmm. people making decisions at Lucasfilm. So I'm going to sadly tell you no, even though I'm assuming, Jared, which is, is a great question, that you want to see this happen. So I'm sorry, but no. Yeah, I th- I, I'm getting the vibe that it has something to do with... Uh kenobi coming out sometime soon sure, maybe sure in the near future maybe mm-hmm. there's something connected there john what do you think do you think they'll make Plagueis a canon book in the near future no because they haven't taken anything that existed and said this is canon now right That's from never legends happened. yeah i mean they've taken bits and pieces like ray looked like Bastille but Shannon they've and but they've like never it. made a current non-canon book product canon they're like you know what actually we are going to go ahead and now add this in so this uh, this story is now true yeah there's only two like little examples that i can think of but that was very early in the process when they were like do we do this legends do we do we go ahead and make this canon this is the same kind of we'll go ahead and let it be canon but yeah this is the same point i made about the Knights of the Old Republic game, like they're not going to do that because it handcuffs sto- the story group and handcuffs because everything. If you say this is canon, everything in that is canon, and then you have to change your storytelling around that, which um, is prior to all this other stuff that they're doing. And yeah. mm-hmm. they have a card to play with Plagueis that hasn't been played yet, and it's a blank canvas, sort of. Besides mm-hmm. from what uh, Palpatine said, you know, in Revenge yeah. of the Sith and everything else we heard. There prior are canon to that, novels that talk about Plagueis and they talk, talk about, about him. you know, right. no, I mean, but also like, you know, some of his story, like there's new canon material from Plagueis. It's out there, but. Yeah. So uh, the, the short answer is no, um, but I think we are going to, they are going to explore Plagueis sooner than later, but it's going to be just new and I, who knows maybe it's even tied to the end of the acolyte or something like that so right oh yeah yeah um, um i'm i'm gonna triple down on the no on that uh for the reasons that we said they've they've never made something that was legends before all of a sudden canon as they like reevaluate things and part of my decision on this too comes from a quote one time where i saw pablo hidalgo was asked on twitter is the reason you're not making Plagueis canon because of the Kenobi stuff and his response was that and the Plagueis stuff (laughs) 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 which I thought was great it just it's like that's good this book exists in this other thing and there's things in it that directly contradict what we have as canon so there is it's impossible to make it canon because it just exists exactly the way that it is that being said if we ever want to explore this character again, John's right. We get the clean slate and whatever they liked about that story, they can make that the canon and whatever exactly. didn't, they, they have the opportunity now to kind of switch it up instead of like being like, well, this book is so good. We got to make it canon, but we have all these problems. I guess we'll just have to figure out ways to make them work. And it's just like a problem. Like why not just wait and let the problems solve themselves and right. we have a new story, you know? Um, so that is our answer, Jared. Um, last one we got here. Commander Jay MacArthur, uh, asks us the question, will we ever see a live action force ghost or force animal version of Kanan Jarrus? Uh, John, James, you're going you gotta first go on this first. one. No, James, you gotta go first on this. I go well, first go on quick. this The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Oh. All right. So my turn. <laughs> no, um, I mean... I am I am interested to hear what John has to say about this because there's some behind the scenes of us having a discussion on this. And I think that's kind of what he was excited about. Um, but I will say really quickly. No, <laughs> I love that you said quickly and then paused <laughs> quickly. <laughs> well, quickly as in I said no. And then now I'm done. Oh, what, you're what? not going to give why are we just maybe to be continued? Yeah, I just I. I th- I have a hard time picturing this character other than Freddie Prince. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think he's right to play Kanan. And I I understand 
that you could say this about a lot of other characters that are happening in live action. Like I have a hard time picturing it as anybody other than Taylor Gray. We're going to get that character and it's going to be great. And it's going to be that person. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time picturing Canon outside of the animated world. And I think that it's very easy for them to say Canon never learned how to be a force ghost. It was before his time and his passing was his passing. And that was part of the story. They want it to be, they want him to be a character that you remember and not that you interact with. And then on top of that too, I think that if they ever did want to get into the interaction of it, they could very easily be force ghost. It's the voice. It's like the original star Wars, Obi-Wan, not force ghost, Obi-Wan, 1977 a new hope you hear the voice and the voice is kane and it's freddie prince and they could play in that world and everybody and it would make fans happy and it would make new fans feel like everything was okay um yeah i i I just don't think we're ever gonna see a live action for and also the animal one i I don't think he's the wolf (laughs) if that's what that is leaning towards i don't think he turned into the wolf wolf or anything uh so all right, that was my short answer, right? Yeah, John. your brief answer. <laughs> well, you wanted James me to go Danny further. Answer. I was going to say no. Um, no, the answer is yes, and it's going to be a reveal at the very end of the Ahsoka series. He's going to appear in, to, in front of uh, Ahsoka and Ezra, and uh, it will be the, the voice of Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, canonically and continuity-wise, based on our conversation last Thursday, he was the voice of Kanan in The Rise, the Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. Yep. Uh, so it's going to happen. It's going to be the big reveal at the end of the Ahsoka series. But Focus. it's another. It's another ge- a person playing. Yeah, it's no, an no, actor no, no. Playing might, no, character, gonna, but it's no, his it's voice. Be, it, no, it's going to be. It, they'll, they'll, they'll get Freddie in there. Do that. Interesting. All right. So well, he's, he's, a, he's an actor. He's a legit so, actor. But the reason I'm it, torn but... is because. Ashley is the voice of Ahsoka at the end of Rise of Skywalker, but she's not Ahsoka in the live action series. That's a good point. That is a very good point. You're welcome. I still yeah. think. I, and I, I'm not I, taking back the book. Obviously, Freddie okay. is great, and he, he's, he's a great actor and all that. I'm just saying it's one of those things where sometimes you do have someone who looks like or is modeled sort of towards a character. And I think if, if you did it, you could convince me and I'd be like, all right, that's Kanan. I'm okay. He, but he's, he's on the border, man. I'm, I sometimes look at him and I go, that's not Kanan. That's the voice of Kanan, but, but I don't see him as the character. Mm -hmm. Mm Um, so I, so I, I'm kind of torn between that, but, uh, Lacey, are you leaning? Where are you landing? So I think we will see Kanan. I don't think it's going to be uh, Freddie Prince. I think we will. So, you, you have to. So you yes. can't tell the yes. You can't tell the story of Ahsoka and the look for the you know the search for Ezra and that whole story with them without having Kanan show up at some point. And but it gets tricky, like I just said, because his voice is used, but it might be someone else, just like Ashley's voice is used, and then it's someone else hmm. because. I agree with you, James. I don't see that connection either. And I love Freddie Prince and I still don't yeah. see it. Um, so my like, answer is yes, but I don't it's like, uh, yeah. How we met your mother. It's like it's Bob Saget for eight years. And then <laughs> it, then they're like, all right, Josh Radner, you're going to be the voice of your own guy now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just um, tough. Cause I love, she's all that. And I love his other movies. So it's like, I don't, I, if I see him, that's what I think of. It's not, I don't think of Kane and Jarrus. Yeah. Well, so, if if he does film the Ahsoka series, uh, like the rumor is they're going to be filming next summer. And if he's on the, the, you know, after they're done filming and stuff, he's out around and people get word that he did it. They're going to say, I know what you did last summer, Freddie. Oh, my gosh. I literally was waiting for the buildup because I knew yeah, that he was doing the rambling the thing. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a good one. That's that is a good one. That is a- I knew what was coming. I, I saw the path happening. I uh, I want to get into our, our next discussion, but I do think we've hit on quite a couple, quite a good few topics tonight. 
about mm-hmm. you know d- who would Disney sell to and so a couple what ifs right there and then a little bit more about you know Kanan and his possibility of showing up later down the line because you know he's a Jedi and Jedi can appear as Force ghosts so it always and he's a fan favorite character that question, right? outside of just being a Jedi. Yeah, so um, yeah. so that's going to be it for Will of the Force this week. Uh, I just want to say thanks to all the patrons who actually you know took the time to go in yes. and write in a question, submit it for us, try to come up with something clever because most most of these people who are submitting the questions are regulars, watchers of the show, right? So they they know what we're talking about on a regular basis, so they're kind of giving us the questions that we're we're looking to talk about that we haven't yet talked about. So thank you guys for submitting Mm -hmm. those. Um, John, what's up next on the docket tonight? All right, our discussion, tease it at the top. Why do we all love the Millennium Falcon? Obi-Wan once thought as you do. She'll make 0.5 past light speed. She may not look like much, but she's got to wear accounts. That's right, folks. We're dedicating the entire discussion to the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy, the Millennium Falcon. As the years go on, more and more ships enter our lives in the Star Wars galaxy. The 327 J-type Nubian to the Ghost, the Razor Crest, rest in peace, and more. <laughs> but our hearts will always belong. They blew that the- up. <laughs> yeah, they did. They blew it. Keep us Sorry. on our toes, uh, man. <laughs> our, our hearts, though, will always belong to the Falcon. Why? Is it simply a case of what came first, or is there something more to it? Let's have some fun talking about the YT-1300 freighter that tormented the Empire in First Order for decades, the Millennium Falcon. Um, I'm going to start, I definitely think it's a a big-time nostalgia aspect. It is the one that set the bar. If the Falcon comes later, maybe it doesn't get that that love affair, but it is, and we're going to probably say this word a lot in this conversation, iconic. Um, like Lacey said before, it, it, it almost is its own character. Mm-hmm. Um, the sounds of it, the sights of it, uh, what I love most about the Millennium Falcon. And I, I made this like connection today when I thought about this discussion, which was, I think the third discussion topic we talked about doing, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Fourth. I remember growing up on, Herbie the Lovebug movies and those movies mm-hmm. are all about this down and out guy who gets this car that's not supposed to be worth a, a lick and it wins these races and helps this guy put his life together and stuff it's the underdog story and that's what the Millennium Falcon is yeah Han says it's the fastest ship in the galaxy this is a freighter ship it's not supposed to be the fastest piece of junk in the galaxy the fastest ship in the galaxy he they made it that way because they loved it so much they put all this into it to make it the the best ship they possibly can and it is you know not the most attractive ship and all that but it is always the ship that somehow gets them out of trouble it's the ultimate it's the exact story of star wars and the rebellion in ship form it is the ultimate underdog and i personally always uh, attract myself to the underdog story. I love those types of stories. And I see that in the Millennium Falcon. It has character. It has soul. It has heart. Uh, it's like the exact opposite of the Nubian starship from the Phantom Menace to me. So that's why I love it. In addition to the obvious nostalgia element. And of course, Han and Chewie. So that's that's where I'm starting. Uh, Lacey, I feel like you... Um, might love the Falcon a little more than James. I, I could be wrong there, but I'm going to toss it to you to uh, give your thoughts and then James, and then we'll just have some fun chatting about this uh, iconic ship. Well, yeah, the Falcon's definitely my favorite Star Wars ship. And I think that's kind of plays on what you said earlier, John, is just like, it's that nostalgic thing that everybody recognizes. Like I just, from second grade on, I know what it is. And James touched on a little bit earlier about how, you know, with Star Wars specifically in the design, it's just the silhouette of it. Like you can look at any T-shirt with the outline of the Falcon and you know what it is. Like even mm. people that don't like Star Wars know what it is. Um, I just I love everything about this ship. I think <laughs> the funniest thing is, like you said, John, I don't think it is the prettiest ship. Like it's not the coolest looking one. And it's got that mm-hmm. weird side cockpit that you're like, how is this possible that this <laughs> is this makes sense to be able to drive this? Because you think about sitting in your own car and you're mm-hmm. like, imagine sitting on basically your rear view mirror. And then you're driving your car around. Yeah, but also we don't sit center in our cars. It is really stupid that we sit just to the left or just to the right of center. Right. 
Right. No, you're totally right. Um, but yeah, no, everything about it is just so, so awesome and iconic. And it, I'll always remember this moment probably as a Star Wars fan for the rest of my life is in The, the Force Awakens. One of the biggest moments in the theater was when they revealed the Millennium Falcon. Oh, when yeah. Rey goes, yeah. oh, that's garbage. And then she's like, well, the garbage will do. And then they cut to it and you hear that music swell up with from John Williams. People cheered. People were cheering, clapping, screaming, carry on because people love that ship and they know who comes with it. Obviously, Han Solo and Chewie. But just the idea of knowing that that's a safe space, I think that's kind of where I feel with it with Star Wars as as a Star Wars fan. It's like you just know all the awesome memories that have happened there. You know that once you're on the Falcon, you're going to be saved because they always get out of it no matter what happens like that ship is perfectly Mm -hmm. fine and i'll never forget like going through the lead up to the rise of skywalker there were discussions and like people would throw out there like what if the falcon blew up and john would you'd get like livid you'd be like no way absolutely not i'll just tell them there's no chance yeah no like jokingly livid but like yeah it just plays into the whole idea here that we're discussing is like we could never imagine Star Wars without the Millennium Falcon. And I don't think Disney or Lucasfilm could either. So you're never going to see it go away. And that's why they sat it in the theme park. Because <laughs> it's one mm-hmm. of those things that everybody sees. But I'm interested to see what James thinks. So this was interesting because it was like, why do we love the Millennium Falcon? And it's kind of always been one of those things, similar to Star Wars just in general, like, when did you fall in love with Star Wars? Well, I didn't. It's just kind of always been there, right? Mm-hmm. To me, like, when I see the Millennium Falcon, I know it. I, I like it. It is the ship that it is. But I there's never been a moment to me that I'm like, man, that's why I love that ship. Or, you know, or I was so blown away by seeing it for the first time or anything like that. It's just kind of always been the Millennium Falcon to me. So I almost had a hard time with this. Like, why do we love the Millennium Falcon? I really had to sit Mm -hmm. and think about it. And from my opinion, my perspective on why I think people like the Millennium Falcon is very similar to why somebody would say they like their first car. Oh, good idea. Yeah. It is usually... Your first car is you bought it pretty cheap or it was given to you. It's used. It's run down and you don't never have the money to fix it, but it's your car and people feel really connected to it. Um, also, most typically because it's like your first car, you know, so it's mm-hmm. something that's special to you. And you're, it's something that it's probably the most expensive thing you've ever owned. Um, and it's kind of funny to think about Han, like that's probably the most expensive thing he owns cause he deals with a lot of money, <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's the thing that is his, that is the most expensive thing. It's his house basically. And that's how, um, teenagers feel like that. That's my car. That's my friend's car. That's my car, you know, or, or maybe I'm the one with the car and all my friends, they're like, Oh, he's got the car. Let's hang out with him. He's an awesome guy. And this thing never works man my stereo i gotta hit it three times you know or you gotta like yeah. really give it something to get that car tick, 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 tick. come on baby come on come on you know and you're always giving <laughs> it that you always want your car to do it and john it's funny that you mentioned how i met your mother earlier because i actually just like a week ago happened to see the episode of the when marshall's car died at two hundred thousand miles mm-hmm. and they're like they're going through all the the stories of him and how he's loved this car and the the tape deck like it keeps playing the the song over and over it's like locked in and um so it's just i'm thinking about how they've put this world or this understanding of people and their relationships with inanimate objects into this thing and they and it struck so well that when the audience saw that and they saw Han and they saw Han's dog and they're good, they're flashing back to when they were a teenager and they had their, their you know, their Pontiac, whatever, you know, in this case, Pontiac <laughs> Fiero and they're uh, driving around with their dog. You know, it's just like there's something there that and they had to roll the windows down because the air conditioning doesn't work. You know, it's yeah. just those feelings of nostalgic pleasure come from 
you know, uh, watching this thing and seeing the Millennium Falcon and being like, that's that's my car. And and one other element that I thought was interesting to this too is most people's cars in the real world didn't make it or they fell apart. Or they were crappy or, you know, like you were hoping to get to that place and you, and it, you didn't make it. You ran out of gas. But the fantasy well, of Star Wars is that the Falcon always makes it. And makes it past the owner at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those things like that thing is just going to keep going and it always manages to get the, the heroes away. And whenever you need it, the hyperdrive's not working, but then, you know, that last second, (laughs) boom, and they take off the car pulled through. And that is a fantasy that your car never did. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good point. The personal connection. uh, And that's, like personal nostalgia in addition to fictional like watching entertainment to be uh drawn back from that but mm-hmm. the other thing too it's like the the falcon uh is a vehicle in storytelling just as much as it is a vehicle like literally in the story because it affords so much of the humor in star wars too like right. chewy with his little welding goggles sitting there on top of the thing welding and Hans yelling at him and Chewie's like, come on, I'm over here working on this thing. And he's like, all right, take it easy, take it easy. Or yeah. bring me the hydro spanner, you know, and the, the wrench falls and hits Han in the head. And, you know, all They're in the floors, in the ceiling, on top, yeah. R2 falling into the pit when they take off in the hyperspace. BB-8 having to latch on with his wires. You know, there's <laughs> the the door uh, not always functioning right. Or, you know, uh, Luke and Han in the in the gunner seats. Beckett hurting his thumbs. Uh, there's just so many things that the Falcon affords them to do. And it's it was, you know, in 1977, it was so fresh because sci-fi is supposed to be the sleek fancy uh smooth ships right and, like george lucas is like i'm giving the junker like like uh, the James prequel saying, ships like, prequel ships are very sleek are very, very smooth clean. and sleek and yeah. elegant yeah and this and well, so were the weapons and this is like you know here's this this junker this used car <laughs> lot junker mm-hmm. that that you're gonna fall in love with because you want to root for it right if everything was easy for them it, there's no charm there so, like the the the, the two prong effect, like in addition to me loving the underdog thing, mm-hmm. is it, it it has charm to it. it. It it probably you know it has its own like you know smell and it it's <laughs> it's stained and it's lived in and and that sort of thing. But also just like the amount of comedic moments in Star Wars they were able to pull off using that as their stage, uh, couldn't be done without it. And I think that's a, that's one of the bigger parts because a lot of people skip over like how funny Star Wars is sometimes uh, because, you know, they, they they really get serious about, you know, their arcs and all that stuff. But Star Wars is right. very funny. And, and the Millennium Falcon serves as one of the as maybe the biggest literal stage for that to happen and uh, and being able to play off of elements and environments around the Falcon. And uh, I, that's another reason why I absolutely love it because it made it easier for the writers to to put jokes in and, and bits and connect characters. Han and Leia in the cockpit when they're in the worm and it shakes and she falls into him. I mean, or when she's fixing the thing and can't do it and he puts her hands around so, her hands. The Falcon helped them fall in love. So I definitely think I definitely think there's something you're 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 touching on here because we always say you know we've we joke that it was it's basically one of the characters it like it really yeah. is it really is one of the characters it's the only ship beyond that the I l3 can... thing too like yes what? yes you know, no we're talking beyond of, the yeah. l3 thing before that we said oh, it before yeah. the l3 yeah yeah, yeah. Thing no 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 yeah. yeah i'm not i'm not but i'm my my thought on that is like i'm not positive but i think it's the only ship that's personified in the in the saga too like right you don't really ever hear you hear luke saying like i hope we can make it to r2 but he's not like man come on baby like come on x-wing like we can right. do this together there's right. something about how han treats the falcon like it's a person or it's a child or it's a puppy or it's a uh, whatever it's his thing and there's a connection there that really personifies it as something that is is really like an engine that could that it's it's really trying to do its best for the team and for han you know it's it's right. one of those people 
Um, and John, you really nailed something too. You said lived in, and that just is another thing that I didn't mention too. Like everybody has the car where like there's a stain in the back from when your friend dropped the, the, the mustard or whatever, or there's like a cigarette burn or, you know, there's always like some sort of story that comes from the people that are hanging out in the ship. And a lot of star Wars happens on the millennium Falcon. So as an audience member, we feel like even though that's, you know, maybe that's not my car, that's my best friend's car. But like when he's selling it, it's like, man, we had so many good memories in that car. Remember when we drove it up to uh, Cleveland or whatever for the weekend, you know, or that that concert, like there's your memories and your stories go into, um, a vehicle or an inanimate object sometimes. And I think that when we think about star Wars as a whole, part of those things are happening on an inside of this ship. Like the story is kind of unfolding there. Luke, um, learning about the force from Obi-Wan and, and having the conversation with Han that all happens in this like room that might as well have been the back of a hippie truck. You know what I mean? Where you got, you, you <laughs> pulled the seats out and threw out some blankets and now you're sleeping in the back. This is like but, the space version of it. You got a little bar and a, and a chess table. Like you're, mm-hmm. it's but your even though that's space. the case and your car is a piece of junk. If your friend accidentally scratches it, you're like, dude, yeah. Come on. And that's Han <laughs> telling Lando, you you promise, I got your word now, not a scratch on this yeah. thing that's beat that. And you have to remember what he did to it from that, Lando in yes, Solo. Yes. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. Lando had this perfect ship. So Lacey, actually, I want to go to you because we talked about how it helped the mm-hmm. storytelling, how it helped the humor, the, the personal real life story nostalgia, uh, just nostalgia as a fan of Star Wars. But uh, the toys... Uh, like I, I'm not even a toy collector, and I have like several Falcons, and I have yeah. a Power of the Force in my attic. Like yeah. you said, you have the Power of the Force. I have one in the box in the attic for my son when he gets old enough. Uh, like I have like, touch so on the many. toys, yeah, because you uh, you went hunting, you found some, so touch on yeah, I have... the what those mean to you and and that sort of thing. Well, I think I don't know if they mean anything to me because it's not like the same as like things from when I was little. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. like. It's not like my Akbar, which is like has a personal story to it or something like that. But I think just having the Millennium Falcon is like one of those things like it's like a piece of Star Wars. You know, you're just really pumped to have it. What the funny thing I was going to say, though, going back to Solo really quick, is I feel like we all had this reaction, actually, when they had the trailer for Solo was how clean it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know we were talking about that, like, oh, you remember the stain? You remember? That? I remember a lot of us were like wait, why is it so clean? Like, what happened? Like, how did it get from point A to point B? And I think that plays into that whole thing about the ship of being like, everything has a story, but you want to know what that story is. Um, But yeah, no, (laughs) anytime I see a toy that's a Millennium Falcon, it's so cool because it's just a cool looking ship. It's just that thing that you're like, I need this because it's like one of the standards for Star Wars, like a lightsaber, the Millennium Falcon, and something else would be like those three things that scream Star Wars to you. And it's mm-hmm. it's cozy too. There's like I haven't been in the one at Galaxy's Edge yet, like um, for the ride setup. But mm-hmm. just watching the movie and seeing like they have that little like kitchen corner couch. They got the with bed. the little chess table. Like it, it seems cozy. Like it when does. they're when they're when they're fl- in Empire Strikes Back when they're fleeing the Empire, you feel like kind of like safe and you're with your friends in this little yeah. clubhouse like when you were a kid that's yeah. what, like when i watch empire strikes back that's the feeling i get because not 80 of the empire strikes back is spent on the falcon mm-hmm. with uh, everyone but luke um and uh, maybe that's another part of why i love the movie so much and it's that's just why like, they put it in the theme park because everybody has that connection with it yes yeah and like Do like I- sort of like james said about having the car as a teenager having the clubhouse as a little kid the treehouse like the yeah. falcon is that sort of thing you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was also, I was also thinking too, when you mentioned the toys and I was like, so how do the toys, cause people got the toys, but they had to have wanted the toys for some reason. Like mm-hmm. what was it about that toy that made it appealing? And I was trying to put that together. Cause now I'm I own take the a, Falcon. <laughs> yeah, I, that's true. But I'm, I'm going to take a guess here and I'm going to relate it to like Power Rangers, for instance, like 
okay, when you go to the store and you're looking at all the toys, you're like, oh, cool. They have like, you know, the Black Ranger, they have like the Red Ranger, you know, or whatever. And you're looking over your, your toys and you feel like those toys, like maybe collecting them all like is out of your grasp, but like maybe collecting one, right? Mm-hmm. But then you think about this, like all all of those toys like were associated with like the the dinosaur, the Zord, and then all those Zords came together, and it was the mm-hmm. the big thing. And that Megazord toy was like one hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. And it was like, dude, like yeah. out of my grasp. I can't even like that's. I wish I had that. That's that's right, every kid right. was looking up at the Millennium Falcon as the one toy that was the big get. Uh, it was the big expensive toy. Um, so anybody that, you know, you're watching the movie, it was just like, man, I wish I had that toy, you know? Right. It's like, right. Hey, I, I would love to have a Han toy. And then sometimes you got it. It wasn't that unreachable, but the big Falcon, the, I mean, it was expensive. You could yeah. beg your parents for it. Maybe you'd get it for Christmas or something, but it was, yeah. it was the big get. So when kids finally got it, it was like, I'm going to, I, I'm going to love this shit forever. You know, and there was yeah. like that. And I feel like people still feel there that way with it. Is, it's like that's it's, the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even the ship. It's not even what happens in the story. There, there's a real physical element of like it's just the big toy. It's the big expensive thing that I want. And when I got it, I now treasure it, and it means something to me that I Good owned point. it and yeah. I had it. That I'm gonna carry that with me for the rest of my life. Every time I see it on screen, it's gonna remind me that I wanted and, that toy or I got that toy. You know, whatever. You know. That that is very true because I I gave away my power of the force falcon, uh, and it wasn't to a stranger. I gave it to my nephews, and then that was before I even thought of like I'm gonna have kids. And then I was like, crap, I can't ask for it back. So I went and like <laughs> found I found another one on eBay, so I had to buy another falcon, and that's the one that's in my attic for, mm-hmm. for Johnny when he gets a little older. But I was just thinking of something, and I don't know if this counts as a crash landing, but if it does, when Han crash lands the falcon on savarine when like everything's like the landing gear's gone yeah and he it's just terrible. lands on that pad yeah. that means the first time han flew the falcon and the last time he flew the falcon he crash landed because <laughs> 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 he crashes in the snow in, yeah. on, in the fourth that's the last time he flies the falcon yeah so i just i didn't I, that has really nothing to do with the conversation but i, was, I like bookends and but i wonder if that was on purpose times- but he did exactly what he had planned to do. Like, he's like, trust me, I've got a good plan. The Kessel oh, yeah. Run. And then yeah. with the trees on the Starkiller base, I don't ever ask until I've done it, you know? And I mean, both times, he's truly Han Solo flying the ship that he loves the way he wanted to fly it. Yeah. I mean, and is it Han or is it yeah. the ship that got him there, yes. that pulled it through? Like, the ship managed to make it through the Kessel Run. It held together. You know, yeah, and right. and it was right about to fall apart, but it made it, and that was the point that they right, made it right. to Savarine. The deleted scene in the Force Awakens where he puts the dice back on the Falcon, which I'm surprised they took that out, but him just being in the cockpit, Harrison Ford grabbing the seats and smiling and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and you know Harrison Ford will never admit it, but maybe he did feel a little like, wow, like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm 34 again or whatever, you yeah, know? But, yeah, and and that like that scene and like. Even like Alden's first scene when he jumps over the seat and for the first time gets into the pilot's seat and he's flipping the switches and stuff. Yeah. And he likes, he goes like this and he like gets comfortable. (laughs) That's amazing. Like, it's just like, uh, just like, that's another part of why I think I love the Falcon is just like the relationship between Han and it and how like Ray takes care of it. Like when Poe gets back and he blew the alternators or whatever and she's like, what'd you do to the Falcon? You know? Uh, Oh, no, she goes, what'd you do to Han's ship? That's what she calls it. Yeah. It's just like that aspect too, like how how much the characters care about it, and we care about the characters, and we know the characters, so we know that uh, that they really do cherish that ship. And seeing right. Luke take the dice, and having his big his one of my favorite Luke scenes in the sequel trilogy is him on the uh, Falcon with R two. Um, just there's just so much we can like we could probably have spent a whole hour uh, on the Falcon, but I think we touched on a lot of the big points. I don't have much else. Aside from the sake of just, I want to keep talking about it, but I know we're up against time. So do you guys have any uh, more final points you want to toss in? And it doesn't mean we can't revisit this in the future. This was actually a really fun talk that I think we maybe even just scratched the surface on. Scratched the surface of... Not a scratch. Yeah. (laughs) I think, you know, 
there's a reason it's my favorite and it's a lot of Star Wars favorite fans favorite ship. Like we could just keep going on. We haven't even really talked about the sounds and like everything like that about it. That's a great point. Yeah. But I think overall that I'm going to always keep collecting it and I'm always going to buy the clothes with it on it and the bags and the, the pins and the stickers because it's just one of those things that's so recognizable that you just feel happy when you see it because of all the yes. things that we've said here that it like chewy were home like everyone freaked out at that point because not only oh. was it han and chewy but they were back on the falcon again so yeah, yeah i just i love it <laughs> yeah yeah it, when when the question got brought up i really i tried to stay away from certain things that i was like well i think that's happening because this other reason like i think like sure. we have great moments in the force awakens because we were already drawn to the ship and now we just we're having a good moment because we already liked the ship but why right. do we like the ship like that i was trying to get to the core of that um another thing i try to stay away from um was because of firsts you know but there are a lot of firsts that naturally just lead to why i think people like it like for instance i, I mean i might be wrong on this but like it's probably the first ship we ever saw go into light speed you know yeah. so it's like that when when we're fascinated about how a ship could even go into light speed or hyperspace or whatever like you're looking at it and you're like wow that's crazy that's something the millennium falcon could do later they kind of say yeah, just about every ship can do that but like when we're watching the movie for the first time we're experiencing it it almost feels like that's what makes the ship great we learned that that's what made it great and then all the other ships later have that feature too but I think there are plenty yeah. of really unique things. And, you know, I just find that more examples of how it's like kind of reminding me of like a car or like someone's first car. I feel like I could just go on and on. Um, one that popped into my head is that they're going down the tunnel and Empire Strikes Back. They turn the headlights on. It's like, yeah. right. Yep. It's like the, the, it could have had one spotlight. It could have had three or or 50 spotlights that would be like this big bright light you know or whatever but it doesn't it's got two headlamps <laughs> that's it right on the front of the car um if you will well and, so, and george lucas is obsessed with cars so that's definitely yeah and i didn't it. mention that but I, I thought about starting with that like if I, like i think the reason people like this is because george had this fascination with cars and he wrote that into this character um the character yeah. being the millennium falcon so i you john i think you're right American there's a Graffiti. lot like, yeah there's a lot that you Felfa's- could this muscle car is his Falcon, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that you could, uh, pull from the Falcon and reasons why. And I think, um, we're either on to something or, or we've, we've really nailed it. But, um, but yeah, I think that's why people love the Falcon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll put a bow on that for now. Uh, but I'd love to revisit this again because, you know, this is one of the times I, I look at the timer and I'm like, mm, man, uh, mm-hmm. but thank, thanks for everybody who uh, listened to that and, 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 and watched this discussion go down. Uh, let us know why you love the Falcon. If they're, if they're, you know, cliche reasons, that's cool too. You know, we listed a bunch of those, but are there personal reasons, uh, things that you think why people like the Falcon that maybe we didn't bring up either way. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Sh- quote, tweet the episode, why you love the Falcon comment on YouTube, share it with a friend and, uh, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We're gonna we're we're gonna talk a little bit more about the Falcon down the road, down the line, as I like to say. But we're not done yet, so we are gonna hear from you now in our next segment. Uh, right. Lacey, what's going on? All right, guys, it's time for resistance transmissions. So the way that this works is every once in a while, almost every week, John puts up a crazy, wacky situation on Twitter at R-B-A-T-S-W-N-N, and you guys give your answers. It could be a situation, fill in the blank, caption this, all different types of fun stuff. So this past week, the situation is, let's revise history by revising a famous line. Yes, it is revised twice. I'm not imagining that. Uh, A famous line of dialogue in Star Wars. Fill in the blanks, and we'll read a bunch of them on the show in hashtag resistance transmissions. There you go. Have fun. Uh, so the line was from Vader, and he said, When I left you, I was but the blank. Now I am the blank. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of that game from, like, the 60s and 70s that they used to play. What is it? Oh, Match Game? Libs? 
Match game. Oh, match game. Yeah. So the original line is, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. I thought it was, I was but the chicken sandwich, but now I am the chicken taco. (laughs) Well done. Is that not right? Was that not it? (laughs) All right. First up is Jetta Rosewater at Jetta Rosewater. Hey, Jetta. She said, Vader, when I left you, I was but the sous chef. Now I am the master chef. Master chef. Love it. Da-da-da. Well All done. Right. <laughs> Good job, yeah, is that is that Master Chef? Well, I was just picturing like the, the lights and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Joby One, Jedi Joey, Jedi Joey is up at Jedi Joey, uh, who's one of our generals now. So welcome mm-hmm. to TRB community. We're excited wow. to have you. Uh he said, When I left you, I was but the normal one. Now I am overly flamboyant voice. <laughs> Uh, I would pay to hear James Earl Jones do that out of the the Vader voice. Fabulous. Next is Rob Petcow. Petcow? Petcow. At Mad Cow of Genesis. (laughs) It's probably cow then. (laughs) Yeah. He said, Vader, when I left you, I was but the poodoo. Now I am the Bantha. That's good. Next is Steve Tracksuit Mafia Lamson <laughs> at Kremlin Cardinal. Tracksuit Mafia? What color is the tracksuit? Uh, Steve said, when I left you, I was but the Colo Clawfish. Now I am the Sando Aqua Monster. I like it. <laughs> That's well done. Jack All fish. I can picture now when I hear Colo Clawfish is Dryden Voss being like, would yeah. you like some Colo Claw? Yeah. Uh, next is History Hokey at History Hokey. Well done. Way to get your handle. And History Hokey said, when I left you, I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. Now I grew strong and I learned how to get along. And so you're back from outer space. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is like the first five words, I was like, okay, when I left you, I was afraid. And then as it, as it went, I yeah. was like, I, well done. All right. Good. John Roca's up at the Roca says, "Hey John, how's it going?" Hey. John is killing it with his reviews lately. I don't know how he does oh, so yeah. many reviews. He's like, "I'm releasing seven reviews today," and I'm like, "How many hours in the day are there?" John is killing it. All right, John said, "Vader, when I left you, I was but the Roca. Now I am the outlaw." <laughs> <laughs> and then he wrote, "Too self promotional." Fine, fine. Nah, we'll give it and to you, John. I, I <laughs> only sense. added it because he admitted that he was self I think it's hilarious. Even if he didn't put yeah. that, I would laugh. Uh, okay, next is Wolf King Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy, at Wolf King ten, uh, 2010, he said, when I left you, I was but the egg. Now, I am the chicken. <laughs> that was All right, next, <laughs> next is Chris Chappell at Sea Monkey Business. Mm. <laughs> nice, I like that. When I left you, I was but the junior associate. Now I am the branch manager. <laughs> now I am the assistant to the regional to the manager. Now I am the branch manager. <laughs> uh, next is Pedro at Pedro Gringas, who said, When I left you, I was but the Eggman. Now I am the walrus. Cuckoo ah. Chew, the force is not with you. Well oh, done, Pedro. So good. Yeah, I thought I love so good. I'm a little thrown because I thought when they said Eggman, it was going to be a Sonic joke. No, I knew immediately it was going to be Beatles. Like when I left yeah, you, I, I was but the Eggman. Now I am the robot. Yeah, James, you know that this is a Beatles song, right? Yeah, I do. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'd so, rather uh, it be Sonic. Yeah, I wish yeah. we recorded that late night conversation at Celebration when James was going on about how the Beatles are overrated. No. <laughs> they really... are overrated. They're 100% overrated. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of people would One take offense to, to that, and James is usually not the they person. They do take offense per- to it, and they shouldn't take offense to it. Number but I'm nine. saying you're usually not the person that like pushes that confrontation like, hey, I have a very hot take. I want to like, just... Oh, yeah. James loves to be the... The ruffle feathers guy once in a while. <laughs> it was so funny because John had a couple beers in him, so he was like, "What? The Beatles?" <laughs> couple dozen. Yeah. And I was sitting there like, I want to go to sleep. <laughs> anyway, last but not least is Kyle. Kyle B. 
at Luke's Green Saber. Hey, Kyle. Kyle said, when I left you, I was but the Hayden Christensen. Now I am the David Prowse. That is unbelievably good. Well done, Kyle. Guys, thank you so much for your answers. If you want to be on the show, make sure to follow us at R-B-A-T-S-W-N-N on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can be on the show. Back to you, John. All right. First, a quick thank you to all of our generals and spice runners on Patreon. We talked about it before. Uh, Your support means such a great deal to us. So we want to give an extra special shout out to our two top tiers. Uh, Generals, Carmelo, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Paul Olson, Jake Houchins, Oliver Lewis, Frank Grande, Haz Aslam, Joe Ritchie, Darth Hurricane, John Trollton, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Joey Mayfield Stewart, Nathan Shank, and Val Trichkoff. Thank you, Generals, our Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Double C, Chris Kendall Gelnar, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Micah Harrison, and Thomas Hennessy. Thank wow. you all very much. And thank you to thank all you. of our patrons in the base. The best. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show on your preferred audio podcast platform. It's free. Two episodes every week. And of course, youtube.com slash Star Wars News Net Videos. We're almost at 7,000 subscribers. We're aiming for 100,000. So try to we'll get us there before We'll have to do a giveaway at 7,000. Yeah, for sure. We'll give away 7,000 Power of the Force Millennium Falcons. Oh, <laughs> word. No. no. Uh, anyway, that was a jokey joke. Um, make sure you go to <laughs> StarWarsNewsNet.com every day for all of your Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. Uh, Johnny mm-hmm. Hoey on Twitter, writing and editing at Star Wars NewsNet, and my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies. Uh, next up, we're going to be doing Disney's animated Aladdin. So we're going from almost an X-rated really? movie to a to a G movie. So that should be interesting. Uh, Lacey. People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gilleran. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. James. Um, you can find me on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Myra Trunks and also on my movie podcast where next week we're going to be revisiting Aladdin, the animated movie. <laughs> you too? Uh, yeah. No, not you too. Um, Aladdin. <laughs> you want so to do bizarre. a podcast on you too? No, not on you too. <laughs> on the movie alone. All right. All right. Well, I'll <laughs> see you around, James. Uh, no, but uh, we <laughs> hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, we'll be back, as always, on Monday morning with another episode of TRB, which stands for The Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids. <laughs>